This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hey, this is Jedi Master Rob LaBerry, host of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast, and you're listening to... Wait, hold on, hold on one second. What the force? Hey, hey, aren't you Dr. Sonny Ravencourt of the University of Coruscant? Nope. No, you absolutely are. I recognize you. Now, you were in the archives not too long ago. I believe you were on a tour, a guided tour. Uh... Look, here's the deal. This temple is not open to outsiders without escort. So you're going to just have to move right along or I'm going to have to get Jedi Temple security. Oh, come on. I can't get this kind of information at the University of Coruscant. Look at this transcription. This Jedi was murdered. All right. Uh, that That's it. We're not going to have this conversation. Padawan, please go get the temple guards. Oh, I really don't think you need to call Jedi secure. Okay, here they come. I got to go. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Goodbye, Dr. Ravencourt. All right, all right sorry about that. Uh, where was I? Oh, right. And you're listening to Conversations Podcast with Pat and Charles. Welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles, and he's Char, and I'm Patrick, and uh... <laughs> that was good. It was, it was bound to happen one of these times. Keep going. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, and I'm Pat, and this is Banter Fodder. A long time ago, in a van on the way to Orlando. A couple of nerds had a series of conversations. This one is with the Force of Light Entertainment Podcast. Woohoo! Yes, we have uh, two very special guests tonight, and uh, Natalie and Michelle from the Force of Light Entertainment Podcast, and we had a fantastic time with them on a recent episode where they did, they talked about the Man of Steel. And that was a hoot of a time, and us who usually talk about Star Wars... We got a chance to break out into one of the movies that we're really passionate about. We're ecstatic to have them come on our show and talk about some Star Wars. Welcome to the show, both of you. Thank you. Glad yes. to be here. Yeah, very excited to be here and talk some prequels. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh, this is a prequel episode? Oh. Did you do any research? <laughs> no, no, not really. Um, so these ladies have the distinct honor of being the only people that have been able to get us to talk something other than Star Wars on a podcast. Oh, Ooh, that is very true. Wow. We feel yeah. honored. We do. High, high praise. High praise. Uh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> they are also, well, I guess I'll lay some blame here. They are also the cause of me missing hours of time doing constructive things to watch the movies that they talk about on their podcast because <laughs> your but seriously your enthusiasm your excitement for the subject you guys talk about is fantastic um the variety of movies is like right in our wheelhouse we love what you guys talk about recently the hunger games was was one of the series that you guys talked about so after your episode 
I got home. I was like, hey, let me see where uh, Hunger Games is available. And it wasn't available except uh, IMDb Movies, which had commercials in it. Guess what? I sat through commercials to watch the movie because of you guys. So thank you very much. <laughs> well, that that is like so touching for yeah, us to hear. Honestly, that's a great compliment. We're glad we inspired you to watch the movie. It's totally yeah, that. We it's, are. Like, yeah. the, the ones uh, that we've talked about you know, during this pandemic, uh, say with like, we just said Enola Holmes. So we will do things when there's Ooh. new stuff that we don't know how Ooh. we feel about, mm. but, but we, but, but we love just, that. There's but... just not a lot of new stuff right now. No, I think they just can't get away from Henry Cavill. Well, Henry. He's pretty super. <laughs> More than he, just a chocolate bar. You can say that. He is pretty super. <laughs> but yeah, we tried to talk about, well, anything. Let's say even our tenant review. I think we were passionate about how we felt about it, too, just in a different way. <laughs> yeah, we tried to say positive things, but, you know, <laughs> we tried to find a couple we could say positive, nonetheless. <laughs> what you guys do is you take your honest opinions and you throw it out there and it makes the movies more accessible uh whether or not i want to watch it after or not that's totally you know separate from the fact that your enthusiasm for each movie or each subject you guys are talking about is is infectious and it's honest and that's fantastic so that's why we love your podcast apart from the fact that you guys are part of our red five network and uh that's obviously a great thing as well, well yes. thank you very yes. much yes thank you very much I said that kind of odd. Very much. <laughs> and I considered saying it like Elvis for some reason. I think I'm getting a little loopy tonight. Or... Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be one of those nights. It's Friday night. It's fine. Yes. And, you know. We get that a lot. Don't worry about it. <laughs> People come on. They're like, guys, it's going to be one of those nights. <laughs> Mostly for right. our lives. Buckle up. Let's go. <laughs> Oh man! So Pat, you have uh, sort of an icebreaker you'd like to uh, to ask our guests tonight, don't you? Yes. Uh, this is um, one of the questions that we like to ask because we get such a myriad of different answers. Mm. Is if you now you you could answer together or separately. It's, it's, there's no rules to this, which is going to be dangerous one of these days. But. <laughs> Uh, as it stands now, there's no rules. Um, but if you could have lunch with anyone from Star Wars, whether it's an actor, a character, a creator, director, porg, whatever, um, <laughs> then, uh, you know, who would it be and what would you talk about? Okay, well, since there's no rules, I'm right off the bat going to say that I'm taking, like, a full car to lunch. And, Ooh. and see, there's always two answers. <laughs> and, and in the car is gonna be actually I'll let him drive. I'll let Han drive us. <laughs> so and then I will be in the passenger seat, and in the back will be Yoda, who's gonna bring wisdom and, and laughs. And then next to him in a car seat is gonna be baby Yoda. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm I'm glad we're we're teaching vehicular safety here. <laughs> and Baby Yoda is there for the sole purpose that I can kiss him on the head because he needs to be kissed right here on the head. 
And then the one actor I will take is Gina Carano because why not? She's awesome. Fantastic. And let's see, what will we talk about? We will probably just all honestly be in awe of Baby Yoda and his adorableness, <laughs> and that's what we'll talk about the whole time. Even even Han Solo himself will break down and say, he'll say to Baby Yoda, I love you, and Baby Yoda's first words are going to be, I know. all stand out, clearly. Get this weird frog out of my backseat. <laughs> Probably more like how <laughs> That's oh, Ben's oh, baby seat. Oh, no. Okay. Nice. Very nice. Uh, wow. Well, it's for me, I have to say. <laughs> She's like, great. <laughs> I should have gone first. <laughs> I do often think that, to be honest. Because <laughs> I know Michelle's going to come with great knowledge and stuff and totally show me up. So I'm like, oh, I better get it out first. But uh, I've thought about, I've given this a lot of thought, okay, guys? And uh, I just have to... <laughs> <laughs> easily 35 seconds worth of thought. We're good. We're good. I just have to go with Roasty <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> she is hands down. <laughs> She can't even get it out. <laughs> she is my favorite in all of Star Wars. In all... <laughs> Are you gonna ask her about that that now famous kiss? <laughs> We're gonna have some, you know, some girl talk and uh, figure out what was going on when she decided to go for it. <laughs> and ask her how she felt about that rejection. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, we've all been there. We we can talk about it. We have. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, if I'm just gonna pick one, I guess I would have to say uh, Yoda because of his unending wisdom. I think we can all use some of that. Hmm. I certainly can. So I'd love to have some conversations and him read my mind a little bit. There you go. So you guys are are not the, the biggest prequel fans. Well, I would say it's been an evolving relationship. Uh, I was... Would you call it, it's complicated? <laughs> it's complicated. All right. um, so when I was a kid, okay, Phantom Menace came out when I had just... Because all these movies came out, my birthday's May 17th. So all of them came out like either my birthday or the day or two after mm. my birthday. So I always went to see them right after my birthday or on my birthday in some of these cases. and Or for my birthday. We'll say it that way. So and, I'm sure I went with you at least to a couple. Yes. I believe you definitely went to The Phantom yeah. Menace. So The Phantom Menace came out right after I turned 10. And I absolutely loved it as a 10-year-old. I even loved Jar Jar Banks. I got all the toys. I played with all the toys. And Excuse me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, and so I really loved it, and then I, you know, let's see, so then I was 13, because three years later when Attack of the Clones came out, and I really enjoyed it, and loved seeing an older Anakin that came out, and at that point I didn't buy the toys, because I'd already gone through the painful stage of where you have to divorce yourself from your toys, because you're too old, and you've got to become a teenager now. <laughs> and then you grew up and you realize And you uh, get them back. You go back to them, so it's fine. It's true. So, but I really liked it. And then, but 
at that by 13 I really liked it but but not enough I think I only saw it once in theaters and then bought it and watched it a couple times at home then was really excited I literally that was one of the first places I drove when I turned 16 was to see Revenge of the Sith three years later that's cool and and I you know really enjoyed it and bought it when it came out but nothing really that's what I've said before on a different show nothing Nothing in the prequels outside of that initial when I was 10 years old with Phantom Menace just because I was a 10-year-old. They didn't age as well to me. I appreciated them and appreciated the story that was told. And I think Clone Wars definitely totally helped flesh out the story, made it a lot better. Um, But nothing in the prequels to this day excited me and did in my heart what, say, The Force Awakens did for me. And I mean, I know for my brother it would be the opposite. But for me, The Force Awakens ignited literally that childhood passion uh, again. Excitement. Excitement. Like, I hadn't felt that in a Star Wars since probably I was 10 years old. Mm. So that that's kind of where I am with the prequels, Natalie. Natalie's like, I don't remember seeing any of them. <laughs> well, it took a long time. I think I watched one with you, like, maybe a few years ago. Well, we watched it with your daughter, Izzy. Oh, Izzy, my daughter, that that girl. Yeah, with your daughter. Well, I, I was telling that that way the audience knows who Izzy is. Yeah. <laughs> but she, uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Watched it with uh, what's her name? You know, that what's her face? <laughs> what's her face? <laughs> that, that little blonde got thirteen years ago. <laughs> watch it I guess a few years ago but I watched all three of them in kind of rapid succession over the last couple days (laughs) and so what I will say is I do think actually the story is good Um, like Michelle said maybe and I'm trying to say this nicely like (laughs) (laughs) some of the the execution maybe is not the best aka the acting okay Mm. I said it Um, but and Michelle and I agreed because I was about to say this and she actually said it like as I was finishing up the third one. It's like the third one to me is actually the most interesting, but it's like the saddest though. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of sadness in it, but it's mm. actually the most like uh, fascinating to me. Yeah. Revenge of the Sith is really good. It's just, I don't like, it's not like, man, I want to watch Revenge of the Sith today, even though there's a lot of guys that really feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um but that's hard for me to get because Star Wars to me is that happy escape. And Revenge of the Sith is without a doubt the darkest, wow, uh, saddest Star mm. Wars of the whole saga. Well, and it's just like sad watching someone's total descent and, you know, just like giving in to this basically devil type character of Palpatine. You know, kind of he comes to steal, kill, kill and destroy, you know, so... And he definitely, uh, Anakin definitely walks right into that. So it's just kind of a sad story. <laughs> it is. I so think that's it's kind of interesting because, um, you know, yeah. you have these trilogies in the second act, you know, set by Empire, where it's like super dark and you're, you, you come out of it like, oh man, that was not so good. But there's another movie coming. You know? Yeah, and so so you're like, well, the trilogy is going to end on a high note, and in this one it doesn't, and you're like, oh no, that's <laughs> that's that's nowhere to go from here, but straight to the Empire, you know, it's terrible. Mm. It presents yeah. a challenge because you know that you know, and George obviously created this entire universe. You've got the bookends to these prequel movies 
where you see Anakin as a young boy, and then you know he becomes Vader eventually. And then it's a fascinating point that you made that, you know, for the Revenge of the Sith being somewhat almost your darkest movie of them all because that turn. And for me, and like I'm obviously the oldest here, for me, I was excited to see how that transformation finally happened and then it moved into the original trilogy. It's a different perspective because you've got you guys who are coming into it. I mean, I took when I was 27, maybe 28, I took my little brother, like a little brother's little sisters, you know, that little organization there that um, uh, that. Yeah. yeah. So I took my little brother to go see the Phantom Menace and he wanted to go see Star Wars. So we I took him to go see that. It it wasn't for me. It, you know, I saw yeah. the story. I understood the characters. It was kind of cool. But there was a lot of things for kids so I, right off the bat for me, I didn't, it wasn't in my wheelhouse. And this is like literally what I said to myself, this is not my Star Wars. I'll, I'll get the story. I'll understand it. I'll, 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 you know, I'll watch it, whatever, but it's not going to be, I'm going to go see this three or four times in a the theater and move on from there. But it, it certainly presents a challenge for bridging that original trilogy uh, and prequel trilogy uh, fan base to allow them to absorb both pieces and then appreciate it until it gets to the Revenge of the Sith, where that was the one movie that I actually liked the best because yeah, it brought yeah, me the closest too. point to the original trilogy. And it's a it's a it's not an easy thing to do. Well, and something you said, and I don't think I'm jumping too soon before we talk about Phantom Menace. Um, you know, right off the 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 bat and and again this didn't bother me as a 10 year old kid i was in awe at the movie theater for phantom menace as a 10 year old loved it um but i i think something that we all probably and especially you know you said you're older so i'm gonna say you know the older people going to see it it would have you were an adult that it would have probably struggled with okay a good example it it just never quite feels like the original because everything's shiny and they're CGI mm -hmm. and and it lost that feel and that's very and you're important. in New York City with taxi cars and mm -hmm. yes. or flying taxi cars and mm -hmm. just where <laughs> I will I will never forget when that first teaser for the Force Awakens came and you saw BB eight going through the sand and I was like oh, like this feels like Star Wars. Like that's Star Wars. Like it, it had that feel again and because it wasn't shiny, it wasn't CGI looking, it wasn't. So I think there, you almost have to, as a fan of the originals, mentally get past, there's a mental hurdle with the, with the prequels of how it looks and the feel is so different. And, uh, you know, perfect example is the, uh, the background that Charles has right now on Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs> with you know everything being a little worn and yes. you know in the 70s that was that was the first time anyone saw anything you know even remotely futuristic but so worn down everything from the old sci-fi films and everything all the robots were like clean metallic and and you know everything was almost very clean very sterile mm -hmm. almost Mm -hmm. And um, so because it's the future and everything's just automatically like cleaned by cleaning robots or something. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but everything was spotless all the time. And they're like, well, that's the future. So um, 
you know, for George to be like, well, yeah, I mean, it's futuristic. You've got blasters and, and spaceships and all, but it's lived in. It's messy. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, there's bars and people being, you know, dead, drunken cantinas and selling death sticks and stuff <laughs> like it's it's believable because it's identifiable yeah and yeah. i think that's what like the, uh, the falcon's a perfect example it's a spaceship that is like the car i drove through high school mm. right. it's just like look this thing might fall apart at any time so <laughs> hear me baby hold together you know that sort of thing so it's you know it's it's relatable and it's you know on these far-off planets with these crazy-looking aliens and all this, but there's a sense of familiarity, which I think connects with a lot of people. Well, and as you were talking, something else hit me of something else that's different in a way that you're kind of having to, I think, almost mentally get past maybe without realizing it. Uh, we just were on Scare, on the Scare podcast, and we were talking about friendship in Star Wars. Mm. And they're, you know, right off... Well, as A New Hope builds, you keep meeting these characters that develop this very family-oriented friendship that just feels like your best bud from from high school or something. Hmm. And in The Phantom Menace and even throughout the prequels, it's more of a teacher-student and like father-son or big brother-little brother relationship. It's not quite that same like your buddy from high school feel that... Is created or like with, fun even. Yeah, fun, it, the, yeah, it's not that fun. Like it's my buddies. It's it's Friday night. We're gonna have fun. Like feel that the original trilogy had, and even again back to why the Force Awakens. I can tell you when the Force Awakens totally won me over, and that was the scene with Finn and Ray because mm. it was like, oh my gosh, this is Star Wars. Like their interactions with one another, it was so original trilogy esque that it grabbed me and i feel like the prequels and again that's not anything negative on them it was a different story they were telling a story a different of, setup and... yeah it, um but it, i think it it doesn't feel as star warsy to us because it's not that in a way you know pat when i first when we first met a long time ago galaxy far far away talking about the prequels um my intake of Let's say The Phantom Menace. Let's see if we focus on that one. And that introduction of the movie and the characters, although I loved Qui-Gon Jinn and, you know, Darth Maul and the, you know, the battle, the duel of fates. It was, you know, there's some fantastic moments in that movie. I still, like you were saying, you know, the, the, uh, the glossiness, the, the cleanliness, the sleek lines and uh, even our wives pointed out like the you know the uh, the Corellian uh sorry the Nubian uh, the Nubian ship uh, yeah, Nubian. the Nubian <laughs> and how wonderful that is the the silver bullet you know and but that point was before everything happened and the the empire took over so Palpatine yes. at this point is manipulating everything going in there and that was a mental divide that I had to get over as well as you know accepting the story that George was telling to allow us to get to the point of the original trilogy where the rebels were going to be uh, fighting against this big, uh, the, the, the monolith of the Empire. So we're building up to that in the politics, you know, and that's, that's where I was coming in from it. And not to mention the, uh, the book A New Dawn again, but <laughs> I seem to mention every time. Um, the, um, the Empire comes to this world and this moon and just 
bleeds it dry of all its resources mm. and then moves on. You know, they, they mention the, um, the antagonist mentions that they could get it so much quicker, the, the, the ore that they're, they're mining, so much quicker if they just blow up the planet and then take it from, from the remains. Wow, and it's you know, and there's there's inhabitants on there, and it's you know, it's, it's the empire's line of thinking is you know, what's the most efficient way to do this, um, regardless of any concern for anyone mm. in the galaxy, and that's you know, that's kind of the way that you can, with that in mind, you can see the deterioration of everything over even twenty years. Mm. Yeah. From, from the you know the prequels to the original trilogy, where you know all of your resources under imperial control are going to the empire, mm. and all of your resources in the outer rim are pretty much non-existent anyway. So you're not going to get anything new. Everything is hand-me-down, mm. and you know Luke Speeder is a perfect example. He's got mismatched parts. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like breaking down and stuff. Well, Sam people has something to do with that. But that's, that's <laughs> you know, there. Oh, I was just going to say, yes, definitely. I definitely have thought about that. It makes sense that the prequel world is shinier because they're still under a republic at that point. It's still, uh, you know, there's still democracy. It's not this, I mean, just an emperor type situation. It, I think, you know, for all of us, it was just, I love anyone who's listened to us knows any, when there's too much CGI, whether it's, I even struggle with the MCU for this reason. If there's too much CGI, you begin to lose me. Mm. Like you just, it takes me out of the movie and I'm gone. Um, that's why. And I think clearly the actors were lost at times. Yeah. I think, CGI. I think. It makes sense, and we, as we move into these movies, some of the acting, why some of it struggled is because George got so, and I'm not trying to be negative, obviously we all love George, he, he created what we love, um, but it was so lazy that they had nothing they were even acting off of at times. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just total green screens around them, yep. and that would be challenging for the best actors in the mm. world. Yep. So, I, I think that... And I don't want to blame George. George was, you know, always ahead of the times. CGI was the big thing. And it just unfortunately came right at a time as CGI was really get, got going. And he relied on it a lot. So it ages poorly because of that. Mm -hmm. As far as visuals, mm -hmm. I'm saying, on some mm -hmm. things. But even with that, Revenge of the Sith, I'd say, looks the best. And, and Phantom Menace. I'd say the second one looks the worst, honestly, many times. You know, oh, go ahead. I said you can only make surfing on like space cows look real to a certain degree. <laughs> space cows. <laughs> That's true. It's a challenge. It is. But you bring up a great point that you know at the time that the Phantom Menace was made, they were pioneering that green screen technology. Well, and let me say, just I, I think a good example, because like, I just watched Attack of the Clones the other day in my head of what I'm saying as far as their acting. Samuel L. Jackson at the end of the movie, after the battle of, is it Genosha? Uh, Why well, I can't say it right now? Genosha or whatever. Genosis. Uh, yeah, Genosis. Yeah, wrong, wrong name. I'm. It's late. <laughs> uh, but it's been a long week, people. But anyways, <laughs> after that battle, 
Samuel L. Jackson is down like it's supposed to be in sand. It's after they're out of the big arena. And he literally is, you can tell they're not actually in sand. Mm. Like they didn't even put some fake sand on the ground for them. <laughs> like, like there's no sand. And you so can hear he, the sound of him stepping on the linoleum floor. <laughs> Basically. So Samuel L. Jackson is looking to clone troopers that aren't real, that are CGI. Yes. <laughs> so he's running on the CGI floor with the CGI background and talking to CGI characters that are supposed to be running with them. Like, that's kind of what I'm saying. If, like, it was so overdone, it would have been hard as an actor, honestly. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and they're, like, Ewan McGregor, I think he did pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Liam, uh, is it Neeson? Liam Nielsen. Nielsen, and the first one, I think he did a good job. Neeson, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just uh, tough. <laughs> it was tough for some of them. And it's like, and Michelle and I have talked about this before, like with someone, it's like, I know Natalie Portman is a good actress because of seeing her in other things. Uh, I but, mean, she's like an Academy Award winner, isn't she? I mean, yeah. she's, she's won some awards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I don't know what happened here. And, and then it's like Michelle, when she kind of puts all this stuff into perspective, it's like, okay, that, you know, that makes sense. Mm. Between maybe the dialogue being a little rough and just like the, the CGI maybe. And, Maybe she didn't have good chemistry with Hayden. Uh, how do you Christensen. Hayden Christensen? I don't know, but something went wrong for the two of them. Mm. Yeah, I think he did the best in the third one. Yeah, definitely. And, and we're getting all over the place. Okay, we're, I'm going to start. We're, we're very ADHD, so if you yes, guys, if, if you, you guys want to, if you guys want to guide us, we can go to the Phantom Menace, and you can ask anything about that, and we'll work our way through the <laughs> That's other two. Totally fine. Totally fine. I am. I am buckled in right next to you in my car seat with Baby Oda. Awesome. We're we're on track with your blue milk. <laughs> right, right. He's gonna. He might have some too. I mean. <laughs> you know, a lot has been said about you know the dialogue and the. I think you was it was Harrison Ford even mentioned that you yeah. know when they're filming the first movies, you know, you can write this dialogue, but to say it is a completely different thing, and that applies to this, you know, to the prequels as well. If you look at the Phantom Menace, where you've got young Anakin being brought into the uh, Jedi Order, and you move on, we leave the young Anakin, and then you get to Attack of the Clones, you've got teenage Anakin, and it's been a long time since they've been together, and it's going to be uh, a hard jump from the boy to the teenager, and you can even see it in the very first scenes of that movie. Anakin is nervous to meet Padme because it's been so long, and that sets the movie off into, which I, at this point, I can except as actually a, a, an understandable piece because he has been away from her so long and she doesn't even recognize him. Like, you know, like the first lines, like, Anakin? Wow, you've grown. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. that sort of sets it off. And it's it's for a guy to hear that from someone who he's dreamt about and he's almost obsessive about, that's not an easy thing to hear. When, yeah. she, when she's basically like, oh, little Annie. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> rough. <laughs> And he's like, you're my fantasy woman. You just crush them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, they, they they do fall very fast, though, for each other. And the only thing I know how to say, and I've said this to Michelle before, sometimes, like, when they're delivering the lines, and this isn't just with this. I'm not just, there have been other shows or movies I've seen that maybe it, maybe it was the actor, maybe it was bad dialogue. Maybe, maybe it's a mixture. Maybe it was a combination of the two, but it's almost like, it's like, 
it's said in a way, it's like I can see the script and I can see the line. And then it's like, I imagine the actor, actress just like says it, like reads it off the page. And, you know, and I mean, that's the only way I know how to describe it. It's just like when it happens, I, it's like, that's what the visual my mind gets. Like they just kind of read it off the script. Like Anakin <laughs> says, I don't like sand. The sand is, you know, or like, <laughs> yeah. I killed them. I killed them all. all. Not just the men, (laughs) but the women and children, too. Anakin, I'm I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be scared. (laughs) (laughs) Another another one of my favorites. Could you imagine? Like, we go through the whole thing. Another one of my favorites is when he's like, it's easier, life's easier fixing things. (laughs) It's like, tell us about it, Anakin. But there are good things about it. We're not bashing the the trilogy. But I mean, that is the one, the acting's a little rough at times, I think would be the the big thing for me. Yeah. I will say, I'm going to go very general of what everyone thinks is good. I mean, come on. When the when the doors open and Maul's standing there and the two Jedi step up to the plate and uh, John Williams' uh, Duel of Fate starts playing, I mean, that's one of the greatest lightsaber duels in all of Star mm-hmm. Wars. So within the Phantom Menace is, is one of the greatest scenes. So that, that, that's wonderful. And I will say, I did not remember, and I know this is probably such common knowledge, I actually did not remember that Anakin was the one that created C-3PO. So I thought that was really fun. Mm. Yeah, it is fun. And uh, like I said, I did like, I took some notes here, <laughs> I did like Liam Nielsen as Qui-Gon. Yes. I thought he did a good job. Let me, well, hold on. Let me tell yeah. you another thing that I thought that even watching as adult, I thought was kind of a magical moment, was really good. And that is when they're under the water with Jar Jar, the two Jedi. And the music that's playing is very like, kind of like, who, what are we about to find? Mm-hmm. And like the world building in that scene to me is great of this world under the water. Like mm-hmm. that was so imaginative on George Lucas's part. Yes. Another thing I'll say I like is when, uh, little Anakin uh, <laughs> she's reading off the script like she's reading the lines in Attack of the Clones that's okay this taking notes we do it all the time <laughs> I like they do it. when Anakin <laughs> I don't like scent thing. Anakin <laughs> said I was a Jedi and I came back here and freed all the slaves is that really run down yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's a line yeah. too. That's a line. Yeah. Yeah. But no. But the little boy. I, I'll give the little boy credit. Was he, was he Moses coming back to freeze his slaves? <laughs> but, but you know where he lived with his mother with all the slaves. I had a dream. I was a Jedi, and I came back here and freed all the slaves. And I just said, you know, such good intentions at his start. And I believe what's sad is like it starts up like that was, you know, probably like sort of a prophecy and he even had had a dream about it that that was what he was supposed to mm-hmm. do and to do great things you know as but as we know the rest is history yeah if you look at the larger story you can see where okay you get from point a to point b and you see palpatine's rise and and jar jar gets in the mix and the whole bit and you see where this the transformation is critical points but then you get into the minutia of the movie and you're trying to sit through the two hours and watch it, it can be, you know, definitely challenging. So 
it's <laughs> it's not an easy thing to get over. I just had a roast thought. Um, oh, oh gosh. <laughs> If you had like a great play that was well known and it was a really good story and a lot to work with and it was like Macbeth or something, but you've got like eight year olds acting it at a school play, yes. and you're like, I appreciate <laughs> the effort and the story is <laughs> a for effort, a for effort, you know. <laughs> it's not that well, bad. I, well, I kid. In all fairness, though, it's like. Honestly, Attack of the Clones should have been really good. Be I mean, to me, because I enjoy a good romance movie. So had this romance been acted out and written in a way that it was convincing and good, this movie could have been really good. But it was fast and cheesy. It was very cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pat's got a theory about that, actually. What's the theory? Let's hear it. Oh, which one? About the... <laughs> Force? Yeah, the Force and Palpatine and putting uh, them... Yeah. Yes. Um, well, so according to the newer Star Wars comics, the midichlorians in Anakin were manipulated by Palpatine when he was in the womb. So Palpatine had a hand in some part of Anakin's life since conception and um so i think it's interesting to see the um interactions between anakin and padme throughout namely episode two as you know in episode one anakin had idolized her and 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 fantasized about her and everything. Mm -hmm. So I think that Palpatine, being such a master manipulator, sensed that, saw that, knew that, and kind of kept that flame alive in Anakin um, through all those years. And then when they got back together in episode two, he's the one that kind of push the idea that Anakin should be her her protector, her bodyguard. True. So Good. to kind of give them some alone time and let them be together. And, you know, he's a lot younger than she is. And I feel like she's smart and independent enough not to need to fall for somebody quite a bit younger than her. Um... But if it was all manipulated through the Force, then it's more of a Force attraction and not really love. Mm. And that would make more sense, honestly. Like that helps me kind of. And understand. therefore, that sort of that sort of jilted relationship that's almost forced between the characters is forced between the characters mm. by Palpatine. Because it's almost like this infatuation type puppy love they have for yeah. each other, almost like little kids or something, you know? And it is like that, that really kind of helps me put it in perspective. Because even watching it, you're as a female, you're like, what does she see in him? I mean, he's very, he's very attractive and he's good with a lightsaber, but like, as far as on an emotional level talking, they have nothing to talk about. Like, she is an intelligent right. senator right. and, and, 
I mean, I, I yeah. feel ba- like he's kind of a dumb boy. Like, the, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Like, he's not, like, he's not overly intelligent. He's not when like you an compare- intellectual. No, like- gosh, no. Nope. He is as yeah. far. He's not dumb. He is he's as far bold, from intellectual <laughs> It's kind of just brass. like a physical attraction. Like he likes older women and she likes younger men. And like that's. <laughs> but you're totally, absolutely, I agree with you. Is that, you know, she was the queen of a planet. Then she became a senator representing that planet. She's an extremely strong character with a complex history and quick togetherness that happens between these two characters. Pat's theory really does lend itself to that uh, interpretation of like, well, maybe it's not. It just, this happened, it's through Palpatine, including the uh, the dreams that he's having and the, the torment that he's yeah. having about his mother. All these things come together as like a master manipulation of Anakin, who ends up becoming Darth Vader, as a key figure in Palpatine's plan to rise to power. And it certainly makes sense. Okay, and yeah, Pal- honestly... Well, it just Pat, yeah, and you guys both, like, all this about, I had no idea about this kind of backstory of him being involved with him from the time he was conceived or whatever. I, I did not know this at all. So now thinking about, you said, like, his the dreams about his mother, the dream about Padme dying during birth, it's like it was planted there by Palpatine to manipulate him. Because we see, you know, Michelle pointed out, he is so easily manipulated by him and that gives a lot more, gives me a lot more understanding of why that would, why he is so easily manipulated by him. Because it's like this, you know, he's like has a doll and he's basically mm-hmm. like a playing with Anakin from the time he's young, you know, learning now. So it's like this makes so much more sense. Yeah, and I think you know Palpatine's smart enough to know that if Yoko Ono can break up the Beatles, <laughs> Padme can break up the Jedi. <laughs> On that note, we're going to take a quick break (laughs) and get back to our discussion. Want that glamorous Amidala look on a lower-level Coruscant budget? Then let Preta Padme dress you to be the most impressive. From elaborate scented headpieces to lowly traveler robes, we offer you all of her fashions at outer rim prices. Where are you heading to? A romantic picnic on Naboo? A night out with the handmaids? Or a sunset speeder rod on Tatooine? Whatever the occasion, we have the style to bring out your inner beauty and the light side of the force in your man. Don't keep your marriage beauty and style a secret. Stop by Preta Padme today. Okay, and we're back. Thank you for our sponsors. Um, we really appreciate that. And uh, we're going to continue our discussion, of course, of the prequels. And... Um, is there anything left about Attack of the Clones? Like, are we good to move on to Revenge of the Sith, or is there anything else we want to talk about? Well, there's two things that I noticed. Okay, first, the first time I saw it, and I still enjoy it, as a, as a kid, or I would have been 13 when this came out, you had to love the moment when they're all, when Anakin, Padme, and Obi-Wan, I think that is a great scene, when they're in the arena. Mm. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that was fun. It's fun. And then when you get... When you get, I love too how Obi Wan's always calm, like so calm. Like compare Obi Wan in that situation to Luke being thrown down the pit of Jabba's palace. Like Luke ah. is 
kind of, you can see the panic in his face a little bit, like he's trying to figure it out. Where and I mean, I don't blame him. But. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame either, but compare, contrast that to Obi-Wan, who these big creatures are coming, he's just like, uh, she's on top of things. Like, he just, <laughs> he's just in the right. Like, he knows he's going to get out of it. Um, so I, I love that scene. And then when all of the lightsabers light up around the arena. Oh, and yeah, that's all, so that's cool. that's something you would always want to see, you know, with the original trilogy. The idea of all these these Jedi. So that was really cool. But you also do see there that a lot of them aren't that skilled. I mean, uh, <laughs> Jango true. Fett kills some of them. Uh, yeah. Out loud. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... That and poor Boba Fett. Uh, Boba Fett oh. watches his dad's head get yeah. shot off. Pivotal <laughs> moment there for sure. It is. They, they call that trauma, kids. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I yeah. love the, the the same type of humor that that keeps popping up in Star Wars, and you know you get it from like Han and Chewie, and they're back and forth and all. But you know, in that scene when Obi Wan's tied up to the thing and. <laughs> And um, <laughs> I was like, how did you get here? And Anakin's like, oh, we came, I came to rescue you, Master. And he just looks at him. He's like, good job. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we're in no better shape than we were. So thank you for failing. <laughs> yeah, so that- good. You obviously whole, succeeded wonderfully. That whole scene yeah. is just, that's the be- one of the best scenes of that movie, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, great scene. Yes. And then the other little thing, side note, because my mind, I think, trends to Baby Yoda every few seconds in life at this point. <laughs> but, but, but Yoda, OG Yoda, he is go. He's walking. He's they're walking down the hall of the Jedi, and he has like a little, oh, like this little like seat that just floats. Yeah, that's true. I, it it made me think that like uh, when Baby Yoda's a teenager, he can get him like a, a floating skateboard. <laughs> It's yeah, just the hoverboard, Marty McFly stuff. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so that so was my I, random thought. <laughs> oh, one other thing. I did enjoy the fight scene between Yoda because that was our first time oh, really seeing that was awesome mm. in theater. Mm-hmm. Seeing Yoda in action and like all he was capable of with it was it Count Dooku? Yeah. Yes. And yep. the second one. Yeah. So that was cool. He's a okay. pretty pretty awesome little guy in action. Okay, she just sent me back to the theater because that was another moment. We always, because of the o, in the OT, they always talk about Yoda being this great Jedi. Right. And but we, didn't, we didn't see that, you know, yeah. aside from his ability to lift things and use the mm-hmm. force on that mm-hmm. stuff. So you just see this kind of crippled old man walking around with the cane. So to see him whip out the lightsaber, I remember being in awe at the theater at 13 years old, watching Yoda kick some butt with a lightsaber. And it's like, whereas normally you would think the small size would be a disadvantage, he so works it to his... I mean, he's just like here, there, and everywhere. Yep. Like, it's, it's pretty awesome. So that that is another great moment in the original in the prequel trilogy. That might have been... Okay, those two moments might have been the two that truly, I mean, just got me excited as a kid. Because it was two things. I mean, as much as I would say the duel of the fates is a better duel, that's not something that my mind had wanted to see from the time I was a kid. Hmm. So that's cool. Attack of the Clones gave me something I'd always wanted to see that was so awesome to actually get to visualize on screen. Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. Not in anything to say about it. I have. <laughs> and he like force grabs his yeah. finger. He's the coolest dude. 
Now, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Attack of the Clones has one of our favorite lines of all time. <laughs> I, I'm interested to hear what this is. Yes, which one? <laughs> it's, it's such a ridiculous line, but we use it all the time. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's on Geonosis when, um, when Obi-Wan first goes looking for um, what's going on with sypho and and these clones and everything. And he's reporting back to the council because, of course, he has terrible reception inside. Like he has bad cell service. <laughs> so he has to go There's no towers. And, yeah, yeah. It's like, you hear me now? Nothing. He's got nothing. Um, so he's outside in the rain and the storms and, and he's... He's covered in his hood. <laughs> he's, he's talking to like Mace Windu and Yoda and all. And he's like, we don't have any clone army. <laughs> it's our favorite. And I don't know why. I don't know why we love it so much, but it's our favorite. Yeah, we use it all the time. <laughs> it's just one of those things. We yes. all have those things that just were, yeah, I get it. Okay, like, I didn't know until just watching this one tonight, Michelle, when she wants me to do something, she'll say, do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's your problem? Oh, he's doing the thing that he did. Palpatine, you know, when Anakin has that moment right. of decision to kill Count Dooku. Count I shouldn't. Count Dooku. It's not the Jedi way. <laughs> it's not <laughs> the <laughs> Jedi way. Do it. They're like hating it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're off. <laughs> so Palpatine is just sitting there. He's like, you know, getting all excited. He like, loves it. Uh, he's, he's like, I'm, I'm just going to hit record. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> I'm going to save this for later. Oh. So, so Michelle will be like, you know, she'll be like, if I need to watch a movie, for example, to prepare for, she's like, do it. <laughs> Ooh. Like, yeah. Did she, like, did she put her fingers <laughs> like that? Yes. Yes. She doesn't do it. She doesn't do it the, the Jedi way with you'll watch this film. It's, you do it. <laughs> and it works. It works. The Sith Lord style. And her eyes change. <laughs> She puts on a hood that I didn't know she was wearing. It's weird. She she pulls a hood up over out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. But it was that was a fascinating that that connection between Obi Wan in the the arena with the animals, you know, and the 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 beasts, and the correlation to Luke with the Rancor. I have never thought about that connection before. That is that is really cool. Like how he approached that. He was calm. It's almost as if he understood. You know his ability to get out of the situation versus Luke. That was that that was really cool. And his connection to the animals. <laughs> that's oh, that's true. true. Well, that's it, very and it true. Goes back to as awesome as Luke is in the in the OT. He's no Obi Wan. Well, yeah, he's not. <laughs> he's he's got that raw power, kind of like they talk about in the sequel trilogy. But he hasn't been trained near to the degree Obi-Wan. And it's like, you know, say if someone... I think someone... that's part of what makes him lovable. Well, like... yeah. Well, definitely. But I'm, I'm in this comparison, it's kind of like someone 
may panic if someone's choking if they haven't been taught how to do the Heimlich maneuver. But if someone has gone over that and rehearsed that a thousand times, they're not even going to flinch. They're mm-hmm. going to get up and do the Heimlich maneuver. And you kind of see that in those two characters where Obi-Wan's calmness is just because he's so trained. Like, he's ready for this. He's got it. He knows he's got it. Yeah. Where Luke, it's more like, I'm figuring it out as, it, as I go along. Uh, so yeah, I, I think Us- that's using the force by the seat of my pants. I didn't right. <laughs> yeah, Master Yoda only taught me how to lift rocks, not <laughs> beasts. Yeah, this rancor is <laughs> huge. <laughs> size, <laughs> size matters not, but those teeth, I tell you. will get you. But and I also did enjoy, you know, maybe the the female and me. Well, I mean, I am a female. It's not just, <laughs> not just in her. It's her. She doesn't doesn't just live somewhere deep inside. It's all of me. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, my inner sensitive side, feminine side. But um, I do like that that the wedding at the end. I think is sweet and and, and very visually stunning. I will say mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. that is beautiful. On where they actually did on that was the place where they actually filmed on location. Yes, there. Yep. But, but I, think, I believe in Italy. Um, it's, and it's correct. beautiful. I, it I didn't know if they did or not, but it's very, very pretty. It is gorgeous. And Natalie Portman looks beautiful. Yes. And John Williams' theme there, Across mm. the Stars, yeah. is such a gorgeous theme. So there's plenty we love in Attack of the Clones, but we can move into Revenge of the Sith if Anakin's you're Anakin's got his new hand. Yeah, that man, <laughs> bless it. Luke, Luke definitely got a better situation on that years down the road. <laughs> I mean, they really had some advances years later. <laughs> I would much rather have Luke's hand than that gold arm. <laughs> it's just kind of sad, like like they reach out to take each other his hand, and then it's like, you know, the claw. That claw. <laughs> thing, you know, that goes down to get the toy. It's like that's. What <laughs> Annie, this ring doesn't fit. You know? <laughs> it's like just kind of bangs against the metal. It's, it's not going to matter in a movie. <laughs> no, the the arm, the hand is magnetic. You just. <laughs> That's it. That's all you gotta do. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah, don't worry about it. Problem solved. <laughs> so if we move into the Revenge of the Sith, from your perspective, and you know, we started off by saying that you guys appreciated that movie more than all the you know the other two previous to them. What was it that you guys saw in this movie that made you appreciate it more than the other two? Well, I think I think for starters, somehow the acting's better in yeah, this one. It did improve. It improved quite a bit. Um, I think that's a lot of it, and I think some of the cheesier scenes are taken out of it. Like, okay, back to, and then we'll go right back back to Attack of the Clones when Anakin and Padme arrive to try to save Obi Wan. There's a point where they're like, you know, that thing, they're, they get in that situation where he's fighting something, these things off, and she's like almost getting smashed in this compactor thing over and over. It almost felt like an episode of Clone Wars. It's like, what am I watching? Is this a movie or mm. is this Clone Wars? And you kind, you don't get any of that cheesiness in Revenge of the Sith. Like it's more a, truly a solid, good movie that that starts and just doesn't let up until the end. Mm. Um, to me, there's not near as many. Even the Phantom Menace, like the pod racing scene, goes a little bit too long for me and gets kind of like, kind of like, come on, can this race finish? Mm. Like Revenge of the Sith doesn't have a moment like that. Like it's just, it's truly to me just the best story, best acting, uh, and 
I don't know. It's just more captivating somehow. Yeah, I think on an emotional level and just kind of even lessons to be learned from it, kind of from the beginning, how it's all kind of, uh, I don't know what the word is, but it's come to this, uh, where he is now and just the deception he was under. And thanks to you and Pat, I, I, now I have a lot more insight as to maybe why he was, you know, got to that place quite so easily. Because towards the end, I told Michelle, I'm like, it's almost like he's schizophrenic. You know, it's like he's so... You know, like, uh, he's just, like, delusional. Mm. And, but it's like, I think he was so almost under the influence of Palpatine that his mind was just starting to go, you know? And it's like, it's kind of one of those movies, and I don't mean this in a negative towards the movie, I'm saying in an interesting way, you know how they say it's kind of like like watching a train wreck. It's like, you don't want to look away. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Some people describe the film. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I know that, that could have been taken two ways, but I mean, as a compliment, like, it's just interesting to watch his descent into darkness and kind of how that happened. Mm-hmm. And even though it is sad, really. And and like Michelle said, it is like I, I was kind of just like watching casually and it was like he walks into uh, the younglings and, you know, and they're like the little cute little boy walks up and he's like, what are we going to do? You know, and, mm. and then you just see him pull his sword. And I was like, I, I literally was like, no, no. Yeah. Like I said it out loud. Like, it's just like, oh, <laughs> You know, but just mm-hmm. it, that was, that's a rough moment. You know, luckily in Star Wars, it's not like they're graphic or they show anything. I don't think any of us could have handled that. Mm. Oh, gosh, no. That'd been R. <laughs> and just when Yoda, like, goes back and discovers, like, he was killed by a Jedi, or, you know, this little one was killed by a Jedi with a lightsaber, you can tell. And it mm. was just very sad. And then just, like, when he, it, his whole thing is, like, to save Natalie Portman, or Padme, and it's like this whole thing has been a farce. He's been deceived. And it's just she would have lived. What he was seeing was almost a self-fulfilling prophecy of her dying because of the road he was going to take, the dark side. Had he not done all this, she would have been happy and wouldn't have died of a broken heart, uh, you know, after she had the babies. So it's just, you know, it's, it is a train wreck in a sad way, but it is interesting to watch. It was my favorite of the three, weirdly. Mm. It is. Yeah, it isn't. And I mean, let's just be real right from the get-go. I think it has one of the best introductions uh, with them finding Count Dooku and having that battle. Yeah, And you watching uh, Anakin, that first, well, I mean, really the Sand People, there's multiple things that have happened along this route, but him him crossing that barrier that he knew he shouldn't cross and the do-its, and he doesn't. Uh, so. and, you, and you also tie it back to the, um, to the original trilogy in A New Hope when Obi-Wan says he was the best off-eye pilot in the galaxy. Yeah, that's Lord. true. That's it's true. Been, you really see that relationship between them. You see his expertise at, at flying spacecraft, not just pod races. And, um, and you see him, you know, well, in the Clone Wars, you see him commanding troops, but that's you know that's, that's the same thing. Same thing. <laughs> it counts. Yeah. I think what really makes the the Revenge of the Sith the best of the prequel films is that Obi Wan found a barbershop. <laughs> oh my gosh, he literally looks like some yeah. people's versions of Jesus in the second yes. one. Really? Yes. <laughs> Oh, but, Anakin, this mullet's then, really trying. <laughs> <laughs> but then Anakin's developing a mullet. 
So, so right. I did notice I'm trying, Master. <laughs> I'm trying to look like you. <laughs> really, I, I am. That's about, that's about how he talks in these movies. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm trying to be nice, but I mean, that's about how he acts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the, with the hair thing, he's, I will a, he's say, a little bit. He's better in the in Revenge of the Sith. He is Seth. better, in the, but the first two. That's about well, how he he's sounds. He's only in the first one. Uh, oh yeah, in the second one. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 I mean, the kid was a better actor, but I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> not uh, right now, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, from I agree with you, all of you, is that you know, once this movie starts, it. With the battle over Coruscant, it does not let up. You go from there and it just it's scene after scene and you get that march and you know what's coming. At this point, both of you had experienced the original trilogy before that. You, you guys had a very unique experience of knowing Darth Vader and Princess Leia and all this sort of stuff. If you had seen these movies as a starting point or your entry point from Star Wars, you may not have known that what was coming at the end of this movie is like the birth of Darth Vader. And that march towards that moment, for me, made the movies like, oh, not stressful, but it was, I'm watching all of these transitions and all these points in this movie where, like, literally watching, like, oh boy, it's coming, it's coming. I was like, oh boy, he just killed all the kids. That's not a good thing. You, you can see where he's going. That's not and, a good thing. It's yeah. never a good thing. <laughs> well, no, it's not a good thing. <laughs> right, right. That's yeah, true. Good point. <laughs> Whether you're Darth Vader or not, uh, that's that's a good point. Uh, but Don't as kill kids. <laughs> right. Don't do it. We are not condoning Just say no. <laughs> just, just say no. <laughs> <laughs> but you had this but then you see and also you see that that scene from above at the jedi temple oh yes and he's going up the steps, stair oh and gosh. Then, yeah. and then the troops are behind him yep and even his robes are flowing like vader's cape and totally and you're like oh here we go this is this is this is, we're here now yeah this is this is that part of, yeah. the, of the story you're right it's he's there he's just not wearing no i'm right <laughs> What am I to say? <laughs> but he's Darth Vader without Darth Vader's mask, yes. and and the, you know he's he's at that point. It's just a matter of time now before he dons the the before the... he loses. Oh, not nice! <laughs> <laughs> I have the high ground. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you said that? Yeah. Um, but that's you know when he's. Um, Sent to uh, Mustafar. Yes. By the Emperor, he's he's called Lord Vader. Right. So I mean, he's already Vader at yeah. that point. He just, you know, hasn't lost yet. So. <laughs> lost the limbs. That's all. Well, and, right. and that's what that's what again. As much as this movie is fascinating, like she said, a train wreck. As far as you want to see him become, and what we use that in the words like the new Joker movie was a train wreck. You want to watch his descent into madness, or like if you're uh-huh. watching a biography of a band and like they're on their way to success and they're having fun, but then they're overtaken by drugs and alcohol, and now they're working <laughs> at the Walmart. You know, that's right. That's right. Well, in this case, it's at the Walmart, but Ma- that's. Fine. <laughs> Boom! Walmart. <laughs> you don't. There is nothing wrong with. They're slashing on. prices. Yes. <laughs> Everything's half off. You can visit our uh, our Spreadshirt shop. You can buy one of those Walmart T-shirts if you want. <laughs> you can. Hey, I respect Walmart employees. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
Um, but anyways, it's so sad. Like in this movie, you know what's coming. And even uh, when Yoda kind of loses to Palpatine, uh, or he doesn't technically lose, it's kind of a draw, but but he knows the failure that has happened. Mm-hmm. And you feel the yep. heaviness even with Yoda that, that is this character you absolutely adore if you've seen the the original trilogy. And it's even just hard to... Yeah, seriously. But it's just hard to see him with the weight of this failure on him. So everything about this movie is heavy. It is heavy. And right to the very end, you know, when Anakin's eyes are bulging and red and I hate you, (laughs) you know, and and like, you know, you were my brother, Anakin, you know, I loved you or whatever. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it is heavy. It's very sad. Mm -hmm. It is. And that fight, it, it does a good job of, you know, obviously both of them are going to live, and you know Obi Wan's going to be fine to have all his limbs, but yet you're still, it's very intense. You still, yeah. <laughs> the whole time. Like, I like the way you slipped that in there. He's got all his limbs. Well, and that's, you know, even, even when they're like, you know, speeding through this lava in like the worst possible scenario for a sword fight. Um, you know, it's like, kind of no good is going to come from this yeah. at all. Something's going to happen. Like, even if you're a better swordsman, when that thing tips and, like, you lose your footing, it's really easy. <laughs> it's not going to be good. <laughs> That's why you need the high ground. That's exactly it. You need the high ground. And, Michelle, I'm in the midst of this, like, serious moment, but she made me laugh because she's like, just wait. And it is so funny the way... Um, what you and McGregor Obi Wan yeah. the way he delivers the line it's like he's uh, he's like don't do it he goes don't do it Anakin like please for the love like, of God just, don't do it just the look on his face kind of like this is stupid don't don't do it you <laughs> how did this happen you're smarter than this <laughs> I it thought really you were and then even to the last moment when you know Vader is born. And he comes off that slab and he asks about Padme. And yeah. still, even when the Emperor has, you know, Anakin turned now into Darth Vader, he's still manipulating him and telling him, well, yeah. you know, you kind of killed her at the end there. And then we get that line, the no and the whole thing. That emotional dagger that he's then adding even more so into the character. It's like, wow, you can just sort of see like how far deep those claws are into Darth Vader and it's like it doesn't matter at this point what he says Darth Vader is hook line and sinker in with this in this path well it's like he's fully um kind of subscribed to uh just giving in to what the devil lies to him mm. at this point um you know and it is kind of like that it was like that last little part of his humanity left like that part that loved someone yep. and it was just like yep. dashed you know and, and then for Palestine or Pal- Palpatine. Palpatine's purposes. It's like let's just add a little more anger to that already erupting. You know, let's just put a little more yep. on there. Yeah, just always scheming. Yep. to use him for his evil purposes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just terribly sad. <laughs> yeah, that's all you can really say. The yeah. whole movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and 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 to circle around to the to even Yoda, you know crawling through the uh, ducts there um, and escaping, um, you know, by the uh, by the skin of his teeth, as it were. Um, you know, he 
runs off and, and kind of dwells or wallows in his failure. And um, it's not until the, you know, hopeful youth comes to find him uh, that gives him that renewed hope again uh, to true. then train yeah. this Jedi to to do what he couldn't and to, you know, not, you know, not prevent the Empire, but to take down the Empire. That's a really cool point. What? Because you've got like a, a, a long sort of span of years there before he's like in recluse and he's, okay, well, now I'm ready for it. I guess we can do this. That's really cool. Yeah, I guess I didn't even think about it like that. That like it was from that point that he kind of became a bit of a recluse himself. Much well, like, he went into hiding. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he does look down. I just said, oh, you know, that was my reaction to Michelle. Like when he, what does he say? Like uh, like he just looks like, down. He, he's says like, he talks I about failed. his failure. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it just... I don't know. Yoda just kind of gets to me, and it... he does. But but and that scene actually parallel with with actually Re- Revenge of the Sith and his failure, and you see in his failure, it makes all the more better. You know, regardless of how you feel about the Last Jedi, I absolutely love the scene with Yoda, and it makes yep. it all the more powerful. One, okay, one of the most beautiful shots of that movie to me is when you see just from behind Yoda and Luke looking at the tree burning. And and it's just like this moment they share because both of them had failed tremendously. Yeah. And that's kind of the point of that whole, obviously the point and of the then, whole speech, the greatest teacher failure is. Yeah. And mm. it's coming from someone, not someone who who kind of understands failure. Like Yoda's failure is arguably much greater than Luke's, like in all reality. Wow. And for him <laughs> yeah. to sit there and to come to him and comfort him as his master and teacher uh, and, you know, give him this pep talk about, uh, and, and honestly, Yoda is thrilled that you, that as he says, uh, the burden is that they grow beyond us or whatever he says about, it's like Yoda's thrilled that young Skywalker hasn't screwed up as bad as he did <laughs> in all reality. Yes. And no. So, so it's a very, it's a very powerful scene. If you even think revenge of the Sith Yoda to Yoda that comes to Luke and, and the last Jedi, because you see, you've seen fully his failure that he's speaking of. That's a great point. Yeah. It's not like he read about failure in a book somewhere. Yeah. It's like, it says here that failure, he's like, look, True. I know what failure can do. Yeah. And he's trying to help him avoid that massive failure at that point. You know, if Ray is going to be, the rebirth of the Jedi Order and how she's going to bring balance back to the galaxy. He's trying to learn from Yoda's, like his own failures, to get Luke beyond that point of like, don't make this massive mistake. We we can we can still course correct at this point. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Talk about a fantastic perspective on the prequels. That was that was really cool. Oh, thank you. Well, and, and I want it to be said, it's obviously like I have a, a deep love and appreciation while also they can drive me nuts. I basically have yeah. a love-hate relationship with them. Right. Really. I, would, I would agree with that. <laughs> there's, there's plenty to love and there's plenty to criticize. Like we're hating and appreciating all at the same time. Yeah, sure. because, yeah. because like I said... I can't. Yeah, I can point you to these scenes like Yoda whipping out his lightsaber and stuff that that I remember to this day in theaters of like yeah, like these moments that they gave me, and 
overall very much enrich the story mm. of the saga also. Yeah. The saga. The saga. The saga. Oh, yeah, that's a good saga there. <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> but, you know, like, for me, from my perspective, I, I can say 100% that, you know, at Pat's uh, insistence that I watch The Clone Wars, and as we talked about with Rob at the Jedi Temple Archives podcast and Tom oh, from the Hyperion Adventures good. podcast, it's the, the, the Clone Wars as, you know, and it's a large investment of time because you've got all these episodes, you've got all these different storylines, but there are key and critical moments within that series that when you watch the difference between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith with those episodes in place, you have a massive expansion of understanding of where Anakin is at that point. And you get that emotional cliff he's almost at. Because like you were saying before, it's like you, you see him as a as schizophrenic, right? You, well, you get yeah. that you get that perspective where he's coming from and let alone the impact of Order 66. And, it, you know, it can't be understated just how enriching those those shows are. And, and it gives us such a, an appreciation for those movies. And it's that's that's a great thing about Star Wars, that we just keep going getting that content that allows us to appreciate it more. And Pat can speak to even more with the comic books that gives more perspective on some of the pieces that happened uh, within between those times. So it's the content level is is somewhat daunting, but... If you can jump into it, it's certainly enriching. Definitely. Yeah. If you can supplement the, uh, the the films that are maybe less well-received and um, and kind of give some more gravitas to the events of them, mm. then uh, with great storytelling, then then honestly, that's, that's just good Star Wars. It's <laughs> just good Star Wars. <laughs> Well, see, I feel like I learned stuff here tonight. So I expanded my Star Wars knowledge, thanks to you guys. And we expanded ours. You guys, your perspectives are fantastic. And that's what Star Wars is about, listening and hearing different perspectives and then getting that different approach to it. And that's what makes it fantastic. Well, and Revenge of the Sith does, it, uh, does at least end on the happy note of seeing, uh, seeing Leia with her parents and Alderaan, the one shot we get of Alderaan, and then seeing... Luke being dropped off with uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru. So it does yeah. at least end with like some hope. Mm. Right. Because yeah. you know what's coming. Yeah. A new hope. Yeah. A new there, hope. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us tonight. It was a great talk about the prequels. And could you guys tell us, you know, where we can find you on the interwebs? Yeah. Yes, we are Force of Light Entertainment. We are pretty much every place that podcasts are. I don't know if we're on, let's see, there's one difficult one we're not on. Maybe like iHeartRadio. I don't know. We're on pretty much all of them. Any major place podcasts are. And then you also can find us at Force of Light Entertainment on YouTube. We do live shows like the one we did with you all when you all were on. And then we also have shorter reviews, different things on our YouTube channel. So check that out. Then you can find us at Force of Light Entertainment on Twitter and Instagram. And I personally am Michelle34Smith on Instagram and Twitter. And I am Natalie R. Grace on Twitter and NatLovesBella07 on Instagram. Yeah. Fantastic. And we this was a pleasure to be on you yeah, guys. Yeah, you guys are fun. fun. Yeah. You make you make us laugh. Yeah, we've talked <laughs> 
we we actually haven't talked about the prequel, so this no, was, we this was not fun. at all. Really. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Right. Well, with that, Pat, you want to send us out? Yeah. All right. Um, since the ladies like that little green guy, let's give it a shot. The Force will be with you always. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. Red 5 Network.